Welcome, fans of the Justice League universe. My name is Sam. With me is Alessandro Maniscalco. Hey, Alessandro. Hey, Sam. Hey, viewers and listeners of all kinds. <laughs> In this episode, we are going to bring a special treat for you. The Suicide Squad home media versions have now been released. We've got the DVD, Blu-ray, and digital editions all out there. So we are going to give our full commentary to Suicide Squad, written and directed by David Ayer and from Warner Brothers Pictures. We're going to be doing the theatrical version, so if you want to get that pulled up on your uh, menu or in your digital version and get the menu ready, we'll tell you where to pause it in just a second. Um, we do need to say out front that we are big DC Films fans, but we are primarily Zack Snyder DC Film fans. Uh, we love Man of Steel. We absolutely love Batman v Superman, as you can tell if you've been listening to us. Um, but we're also you know, definitely happy to check out Suicide Squad to take a look at how it expanded the universe. So we're going to share our thoughts on that now. If you've got the theatrical version of Suicide Squad ready to go, you can go ahead and hit play, and you will see the WB logo. And when the WB logo fades away, pause it right when the R appears. The R logo appears right about nine seconds. Hit pause. So keep it paused there for just a second, and we will all start it together. Alessandro, you uh, saw this in theaters. It wasn't your favorite movie, but what's your mindset going into this uh, viewing of it? Well, you know, I, I feel a little better about it in the sense that because I've seen it so many times, I'm, I'm more familiar with the characters and the story. So it's a very familiar place. So and it's got, you know, entered my comfort zone, so to speak. I still have my gripes with it, but, you know, it's it's not painful to watch anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not, and we can hopefully liven it up a little bit too uh, if there's others out there who are not as totally in love with this movie as maybe they are BVS. So hopefully everybody has it paused right when the R logo appears at 9 seconds, and we'll have 3, 2, 1, play here. So together, 3, 2, 1, play. So we are into Suicide Squad. Um, David Ayer, I've seen a couple David Ayer movies. Um, I liked most of them. And I've seen him do some cool stuff with teams, and so I was pretty optimistic going into this one. Um, and I think it definitely has a David Ayer flair, but of course there's all the controversy about who got to have final edits and stuff like that, which plays a big role on this opening stuff, because I think this is where a lot of the changes were to make the opening and the introduction of the characters more flashy and fun and stylized and stuff. So that's where we start already in Bell Rev. So Bell Rev, I think, is a cool location. Like, the DC Universe in the comics has not only cool characters and villains, but it has really good locations. So I think it's cool that they did bring in Bell Rev as a, a setting to add to this world. Yeah, and Deadshot that we see right up front is very different from many of the other versions of Deadshot that have appeared. Uh, for instance, my understanding is that um, Arrow, the show, was used as a testing grounds for the Suicide Squad. Uh, and there are differences to that character versus Will Smith's Deadshot. Right. Yeah, and a lot of people had fear with Will Smith that he was going to kind of take over the movie as just seeming like Will Smith. Um, and he does have his Will Smith style that he brought to the character, but for me, I felt pretty good about it. Like, um, he has the shaved head and the beard, which I don't think he's ever sported in any other movies. Um, so for me, I, I liked him as the new version of Deadshot. Harley Quinn's kind of the standout of this movie. She's gained a lot of popularity. Definitely. Um, I heard Margot Robbie was like the most searched for actor on IMDb, I think, for maybe for 2016, although 2016 isn't over yet. But 
she's definitely a rising star in a big way. This one was a big part of that. And I remember we had the discussion about what she's hanging from here. And it, I had thought it was a straitjacket. Yeah, and the gymnastics stuff, it comes back a little bit later. Um, but the gymnastics didn't come back like as fully as I thought it would was going to pay off later. But it obviously there's the rope scene at the end with uh, the Joker. True. But I thought that the gymnastics. Well, I guess there's also the elevator and the her fighting style is kind of gymnastic based. I just noticed uh, that her shirt says "Burn After Use." It almost seems like that's how Joker treats her too. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of little details like that that I haven't noticed yet in here. Um, but one thing I noticed right away the first time I saw this is I really liked the Griggs character. I've mentioned that on our yeah, show. I was just thinking that. <laughs> yeah. And I remember the first time I saw him was on Mindy Project. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I just thought he brought a really cool energy. And, I, and his humor, I thought, was actually really funny in his scenes. Although this one is kind of brutal here. But definitely some stylized but some horrific stuff here. A little bit like Abu Ghraib reminds me of a, kind of the torturing, but taking pictures of it. Not sure why she ran into the bars there. Yeah, I tried to break that down in our episode, and I didn't have a really good explanation. Um, and the listeners had some other thoughts from me, but I don't know if she was just trying to knock herself There's out. There's the Capitol building that was blown up, I think, in Batman v Superman. Now... This is straight out of Funeral for a Friend, the comic. The first time I watched it, I liked Waller quite a bit, but the second time I watched it, I appreciated Waller even more. Like, here, she comes in meaning business. But and she this, has this, this vendor note, right here, like she's literally straight out of the comics. going to pretty much smile at Superman being dead, which just, I think, shows what she's going to be about. She's really looking for her power, her leverage. There's the smile. And Viola Davis is perfect for the role. Yeah, I agree on that. Pretty cool logo, the guns swirling. Yeah, I do like the stylized nature of the graphics and the the colorfulness of it. Ironic because it's a contrast to the darkness of the actual movie. So they cleared out the whole restaurant and there's like armed guards at the door. So this is a pretty serious meeting here. And he just mentioned the uh, canary, which obviously makes us think of Black Canary. Yeah. Human part. <laughs> yeah, the which to me is an interesting line. Like she's really infatuated with the meta part of the power. I think she's just really has this thirst for power and she wants to harness it and use it. Yeah. But throughout the rest of the movie, it's really more about the humanity. It's like exploring the human part of them. And them gaining back their humanity and stuff. So it basically Waller is like dead wrong in most of her stuff. But here's kind of the stylized thing, which I think was maybe emphasized by the final edit when they had the uh, trailer editing company help with the edits, which I didn't mind them. I mean, it's, it's definitely unique, you know, to have the nameplates and the info and the color graphics and stuff. Now, the thing about this is I, f I feel it's really weird to go from introducing the characters to introducing them again, because that's what it feels like to me. Like, we just saw Deadshot, and granted, they didn't go into backstory, but yeah. it's like you're introducing them twice. It seems a little redundant. Yeah, I, can, I, I know what you mean, and 
it's also like a there's kind of this style that they're trying to establish, but it's hard to get some momentum going because of what you just said, kind of starting and then starting again. But also, I think the momentum is interrupted because the music, like the music has already changed like five times now, I think. And if I take any of the musical cues on their own, I like them, but I don't know if it works very well to get momentum because the music is just always changing and it kind of jerks you to the left and then to the right. Yeah, and sometimes it works, but other times it seems arbitrary and unnecessary yeah I do like this scene just on its own in terms of a, a way to introduce us to Deadshot's skills and his attitude yeah um, so I think it's effective for that but you're right like the overall first few minutes here they aren't quite capturing the momentum as maybe they should have but this is a cool shot I mean the content of the movie it's good content I feel like the ordering could have been changed a little to make it a lot better. Yeah, and they they knew that too. Like they had gone through four or five different versions of this opening stuff, completely different versions, and they ended up with this one that they called the portfolio version or whatever. So they also were kind of struggling with exactly how are they going to kick this off and get everybody introduced. Now this is sort of like a third introduction to Deadshot, right? Right. <laughs> but I do like this. Uh, I like definitely the dynamic with the daughter here i like the setting here with gotham and the snow falling like i appreciate the way they did the introductions but then a part of me uh, is very curious how it would have played out if everything was just chronological right so just start with them outside of jail see how they operate then see them right. get caught then see them exactly. in jail after that yeah and the novelization has a different start as well where they start off with June Moon finding Enchantress and they develop that whole archaeological dig more and so they and kind of establish the villain first and then they go to the Suicide Squad after the villain has been teased. I totally agree that that's what they should have done. Cool Batman entrance though if you just take that yeah, definitely. shot alone. Yeah, Ben Affleck's still good as the Batman, I gotta say. And it's really cool to see him, you know, after that whole Batman versus Superman Yeah. Now it it does seem a little unbatman like that he kicked Batman kicked Deadshot away from him, which is a bad tactical move because Batman definitely has the advantage up close and Deadshot has the advantage from range, and so it's weird that Batman kicked him away, but maybe Batman had planned for this or something, I don't know. But it's a good scene. Like emotionally it works that it happened, but tactically it was not a great fight move by Batman. Well, and we've seen him get shot in Batman v Superman, so we know that he has some sort of bulletproof uh, outfitting. Yeah. Waller has some great lines yeah. and uh the Joker has some great lines in this movie in terms of like quotable quotes. So yeah, you're right. Now here's a second introduction of Harley, who we just saw, you know, at the beginning yeah. as well. So I mean, it, they could say that they are, you know, on purpose trying to do both, where you see them in jail trying to keep their humanity or keep the their part of themselves, and now you see where they came from before. So maybe they're trying to do the parallel, but I agree with you. It, it loses some momentum when they're kind of starting and starting again. It's very cute, with the kitty. So for me, I mean, I will get some chance to talk about the Joker later, but for me, I like the Joker, and I'm definitely just intrigued to watch him every single time he's on on the screen. 
Yeah, I remember reading online uh, that that damage tattoo that a lot of people have a problem with. That it's supposed to be um, his way of making Batman see what he did to him. Because apparently his teeth were broken by Batman. Right. Yeah. It was like a message to Batman. Yeah. Now the whole uh, uh, Arkham breakout, which speaking of cool settings, Arkham Asylum is another great setting in the DC Universe, which I hope we get more of in maybe the Batman movie. But uh, the breakout scene with, you know, the panda and all the stuff, a lot of people were looking forward to a full scene like that um, of Joker getting broken out, but instead it was really just those quick clips. It was almost like a trailer. It, it wasn't really a full scene. We just saw the classic Harley costume, which yeah, didn't look that bad in reality, the way they did it. Yeah, right. Now here we get a more fully developed scene here where they let the tension kind of build up and rise rather than just quick cuts. This one's, I think, a, a well-put-together scene. Cool hand. I did think that that was kind of clever. His smile was ruined, so he tattooed a smile on his hands. Yeah. I like, too, the stylized emphasis of Joker's craziness there. And how you really don't know what might set Joker off. I like, too, how, you know, we're seeing Joker's craziness, but he's also talking about Harley, so he's still kind of staying in service of her character. See, now there, people were saying, like, oh, he overacted on the hunka hunka, but to me, it's, he is overacting because he's playing with uh, right, Monster he's, T here, he's or whatever. He's, with he's toying with him, so that's why it's overacted. Right. And now here he's watching, and yeah. See, he's toying with him further, and now he's starting to go over the edge. Huh? Now, in the novelization, I think he makes uh, Monster T shoot himself, where here it just shows a quick flash of oh, wow. the Joker just shooting him. Yeah, there. But I like the stylized stuff here because these are, you know, flashbacks through Waller's description of things, and so I think you have license to stylize it a bit. But see, now these scenes are so long, it kind of makes you forget that we're still back in with Viola Davis having dinner, you know? Oh, right, we've been away from that long enough. Yeah, no, this right. is all still, like, within the context of her uh, talking about the different members. There we go. Now there's uh, Waller's narration back in. I like the uh, iconic, you know, just visual of Batman on Joker's car, though. And Now here I thought we should have had a shot of the car hitting the water from outside just to get a better sense of the physics of it, but here is a great shot of Batman yeah, going in after cool. it. It's very nice fluidity to that shot. I thought this part was great. Yeah, and the cape works really great in the water, too. They used it really well. And the color of the car, the red still comes through. And she's playing possum. <laughs> Yeah. 
<laughs> so that got a really good reaction in my uh, theater when I watched this for the first time. And for me, I think it's okay that he punched a woman because if a woman is that dangerous and is slashing at him, you can treat them just like a man is my kind of position if they're coming to kill you. And I mean, it was kind of. more of a knockout. You know, it wasn't like he was punching her, like, brutally. Yeah. See, I thought it was really cool that Captain Boomerang was in this. Yep. I, it's a Flash I a villain, you know. And we also get to see Flash here, which is cool. Yeah, very cool. No, and it's good, too. And it's, like, very clear that Deadshot and Harley are the main two characters. But then he can come in as another member of the team. And we get a little bit of the comic relief right from the beginning. So they're letting us know what role he's going to have in the team. But cool use of the boomerang. It's also cool because Captain Boomerang has some cross stories with the Batman stories and Robin. Yeah. But yeah, very cool Flash scene. And you can, even just with one line, basically, you can tell the kind of style and uh, attitude of the Flash, which is good. Now here we see Diablo, but we don't really know the full story of what's happening in his house behind him. And we saw the burning house. We Presumably that that's the story that he tells later on. Yeah, that's what I figure. But yeah, we don't know it yet until later, the bar scene. See, like there's some great acting from Viola Davis when she says how incredible this is. Like she's getting excited about how violent and deadly Diablo is. Where everybody else would be kind of horrified or saddened by it, she's just excited. Now I can appreciate the human-like form of of Killer Croc, but I do kind of like the uh, the comic book version more, where he actually uh -huh. looks more like a crocodile. Yeah, for me, it's one of those things where I can just see both. Like if I'm reading a comic, I want the comic version, but I think this one makes sense for the movie version. I like the match cut of the meat to the meat. Good stuff. She's kind of the monster. Right. Pretty vicious there. I like here how they emphasize Enchantress by giving the reactions, the reactions of the other guys at the table mm. to her. Now, people were saying that, you know, this is some bad archaeology, but <laughs> in the novelization, they say that the Enchantress was actually calling to her and kind of, like, manipulating her mind, so she wasn't really thinking clearly. Yeah, but like, why I would say, she like, break that, that figure? <laughs> yeah, an archaeologist would not just pick it up and then break it, but if you're being kind of mind-controlled or influenced by a spirit or a witch, then you might. But the thing I will say is, um, Cara Delevingne, I... I don't know, I just never really bought her as an archaeologist in this scene or the a later scene, and then the, like I've said in our episodes, I kind of like the Smoky Witch, but I don't like Cara Delevingne's performance and the, the way that they went with it overall. It's kind of my biggest thing that holds me back from liking this movie even more, because I didn't ever quite get on board with Cara Delevingne's performance. I think she would have been cool if she was a minor character, but the fact that she ended up being the major main villain, I felt, was kind of weak. Oh, right. Yeah, that could be it. Like, she could have been passable if she was more secondary. Right. And I really think that a, a motif is matters of the heart in this movie, because they keep referencing 
hearts and you know love friendship and the fact that there's a focus on enchantress's heart yeah i think you're right it's definitely a motif um because yeah clearly there is a literal heart being carried around but then yeah they say you know like deadshot's heart was his little girl and joker and harley and then she explicitly says you know that enchantress had a flag's heart and stuff so definitely a motif to follow this is a cool shot it kind of seems like uh what's her name viola davis's character (laughs) (laughs) uh i'm drawing a blank yeah me too it's late well, so she's, a, she's the one character of, in the movie that's heartless, basically. Yeah. Amanda Waller, that's it. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> the, uh, I was, I was going to say they had the, the kiss between June and Flag right before they cut away. And that mm-hmm. kiss is kind of like we're supposed to buy their whole love story from Waller saying that they're in love and then from that one kiss. But for me, they didn't sell it totally. Although one of our listeners recently said that maybe Flag and and uh, June are not really in love. Maybe they're just both lonely and they've kind of like convinced themselves that they're in love, but they're not truly in love. Um, I'm going to try to follow that through here when we watch the rest of it. Hmm. You know, we have a second second introduction to Enchantress. Basically. So it's like we're having multiple introductions. Yeah, we end up, you know, going pretty far into the movie, and it's basically been introducing the team um, for, like, the first 25, 30 minutes of the movie, which I like the team, and I think it's a good set of characters, but, yeah, they haven't really gave, given a thrust to the plot yet. We kind of, you know, we've seen Waller as a very intriguing character, and we've met the interesting dynamics of the team, but we don't have an actual th- plot, like, we don't have something that needs to be achieved or a problem that's been put in front of our main characters yet yeah i mean it could have been more effective if they had sort of introduced us to the characters through the story rather than here's this character and here's this character yeah the uh this is the other scene where i just don't really buy cara delavine as an archaeologist for some reason i don't know why but i love this that hand is really cool thing. yeah yeah that's creative and I like the Smoky Witch, like I said. It's cool eyes, little glow in the eyes. And the, cr- the cross. <laughs> yeah. The embers kind of floating around her is pretty cool. Yeah, that's true. Waller's introducing the Enchantress again and giving a little bit more information about her. So One thing I was sat... Uh, I was just going to say real quick, you know, people complained about stuff that they saw in the trailers that didn't make it into the final movie. The one thing that I was sad to miss was in a trailer, there was the, at the beginning of the scene where he's like, gentlemen, ladies, and Waller gives this like sneer. I loved that sneer. And okay. it, I don't think it's in the, the movie or the extended cut, I don't think. But here's Enchantress's crafty sleuthing spy work. So presumably they had to have planned this ahead of time and told Enchantress that, that was, that's what she should have to get. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It looked like he was writing notes that said nuts, like like Amanda Waller's nuts. Right. 
it's interesting, like, again, I'm just watching Waller really closely. I mean, she seems to be enjoying it too much, and, like, there when she's poking the heart, she just seems so thrilled with herself to have this stuff under her control, or she thinks it's under her control, which, of course, is, like, the hubris that's going to come back and bite her. Yeah, and Flags and Moon's relationship totally is not believable. I don't know if it's it needed more on-screen time, but something about their dynamic is not believable. Yeah, I think that they needed an actual like full scene where the scene has time to breathe of them connecting instead of just quick little flashes while Waller's narrating it. But like so far for me like just watching Waller, even her facial expressions and stuff and trying to get in her mind and where she's coming from is a part that I really like about the movie so far. And I like the characters it's... that have been assembled, but yeah, it doesn't have that momentum yet. I think it's cool that she asked, are you the devil? Because it plays on a lot of the the religious commentary and the fact that Amanda Waller is like this heartless person. I think this is a cool, uh, cool setting set. And I like the way that he jumped up from the push-ups. You know, I think one of the appeals of this movie for a lot of people and they may not even realize it, is that the movie pretty much plays like a music video. Huh, yeah. Definitely whole scenes kind of have a style like that. So he wanted to be down there, removed himself from others. Which, like, for him, I think the sad thing is how he's kind of internalized being a monster, which other people have kind of treated him as. Here's the first iPad being thrown up on a, on a window. Now that's kind of interesting. I noticed it here that it's like Diablo talking to Diablo. And like he's he's not accepting his past. He's trying to separate himself from his past. And so that was almost like his past self taunting his present self. Mm. But it, it's also funny where... When Waller's like, that isn't you. He's like, he's just straight up, it's clearly on video evidence. You know, every time I, I watch this movie, I'm always curious about why the American flag on Flag's hat is backwards. Oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. I didn't even notice that. There's got to be some kind of significance to that. I really yeah. hope they didn't just flip the film. Right. Now, this now there we cool. get the clear starting point for his character arc where he says he doesn't want to use his powers for violence anymore or be used as a weapon. So that one's, you know, like, he has that character arc. And the one thing that held me back from this movie the first time I saw it was I thought that some of the character arcs and themes were, like, too explicit. And that one with Diablo is kind of an example of that where it's like, he just straight up says, I don't want to be used as a weapon. It's like, oh, his character arc is about him not wanting to be used as a weapon. And then, like I, My personal style is, is I kind of like Batman v Superman more, where it's it's subtle and you have to uncover it, and then when you do, it's really rich and interconnected and everything. But this is still better. It's still better to have an explicit character arc or an explicit theme than to not have one at all. Now, I wonder... I just noticed that the back of uh, Deadshot... It says, um, 
a Bravo location. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's an Alpha location where they keep other inmates. Ah, that's interesting. I like this interaction between Deadshot and, and Griggs as the follow-up to the very first scene where Griggs was taunting him. This is not good. sure why Amanda Waller goads him on here. What's her motivation? I think she's just trying to test the metal and try to get to the core of Deadshot and what he's what he would do and what he wouldn't do. Also, maybe she just enjoys. Uh, it could be part of how she's heartless and just yeah. wants to see. She's just going to see if I can kind of edge him on, egg him on, and if he'll go and do that, and she doesn't actually care if he would have killed him. So yeah, speaking of redundancy, so now that like you kind of brought it up. Like, this scene, I think, is great as a scene, but the earlier one where he did the assassination also showed that he's really a good shot, so we're kind of getting shown twice that he's a really good shot. Yeah, definitely. But this is Although a really cool scene. I like scene. both of the scenes individually, yeah. but it's just that they kind of accomplish the same thing twice. Right. But you're right, the, the music comes in. Um, pretty strong too over that yeah now that you mentioned that hat the flag on the hat <laughs> I, I think it's not a flipped video because like the other guys in the back there alpha says alpha and stuff it's just actually a reversed flag like that right right yeah there's got to be some sort of uh, military significance this is a good banter between these two like yeah. I think this is where I think like when I was saying Will Smith, I think, did a good job. Like, he had great chemistry and interactions with Griggs, and now he's having, I think, a really good interaction chemistry with Flag here, Joel Kinnaman. So I think that's a testament to just Will Smith being a straight-up, you know, uh, blockbuster star. <laughs> yeah, it's a good little moment there. And then... Deadshot, not always very respectful of women, but part of his character, I think. So now that we've been thoroughly introduced to the team, we have Flag voicing his concerns about the team. See, this is probably one of the most solid scenes in the whole movie, because it actually explains motiva- her motivation, and it has yeah. some real actual back-and-forth Yep, I like this scene. It's good dialogue. Every line is pretty well crafted and and, uh, significant. And she's got her leverage over Flag, too, so she's not just exerting leverage over the criminals. She's got it over everybody, and she thinks that that gives her all this power. But as we'll see later, it's really the power of friendship that's more potent. So, David Ayer played a pretty big role in decorating this set himself. I'm sure he didn't spray paint all those ha-ha-has, but he came in early and yeah, he, laid he laid out that out whole knife circle and piano key circle and, and everything himself. Right. The laptops in the back are kind of intriguing, too. The creepy thing is, that when I watched this the other day, I noticed some, like, baby outfits. I'm just like, what are those for? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of creepy. Like, on the top right, 
Um, yeah, right yeah, it's there. right there. Yep, two of them. Oh, three of them. Yeah, it's a great shot pulling up over it. It's kind of the, the slight spin as it pulls up is good stuff. I like that Joker laugh too as that last scene was ending. So again, everything from Griggs I like. I don't know if it's just that it, it hits me the right way, but or his style of humor is my style. I don't know, but you're killing it. It's good stuff. So I got a little confused even on this one. So I know he was down big at the tables. But I guess it was that he actually owed a lot to the casino boss or the gambling boss or whatever, and that the Joker paid off his debt. Is that yeah, what happened it, here? And it wasn't uh, Joker's men that that nearly killed his family. It was right. It was actually guys. the casino owner or whatever. Right. Okay, so Johnny Frost came in. He's handing over the money, so that's to pay off Griggs's debt. Is that right? I think that's what one of our listeners explained to me, so I appreciate that. See, what I don't understand is how are you going to promote a movie with footage in your trailer and then not even include it in the extended cut? Yeah, that was a little surprising. Uh, like, I was not surprised that some stuff from trailers was, wasn't in the movie, but I thought for sure it would be in the extended cut, and there still were some things missing. But I like this... Uh, Again, I like the Joker scenes. I don't know. I mean, for me, I would have to say I'm a fan of this interpretation of the Joker thus far. I'd like to see him in a full movie where he's, like, one of the main characters, but... Well, I and I, admittedly, I, I didn't really get into the New 52 much, but my understanding is that this is the New 52 version. I think it's part New 52, um, a little bit part of maybe Brian Azzarello's Joker. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a little bit of a mixture, but... In terms of the look of it, there is is some new 52 that looks very much like him in this. For a second, so, it almost looks like he's taking a picture with his phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so here she just died. Let's get her down to the morgue. So he's See, now sad. this is kind of like, what you know, she's showing him like, like a threat. Like, I'm going to kill her. Yeah, I guess it's like letting him know, like, I could kill June, yeah. I feel like it's, it almost seems like they're just making it confusing for no reason, because they want to throw us off. Waller seems to live alone. So... The yeah, the little sidewind thing. Starting to see the even that like the way she looked up there, like I feel like it's not as good of acting as others could have done. I like this mirror thing though here, that's cool. Over the shoulder. Kind of a smile. I like this too how she kind of uh transports down to catch him instead of moving down to catch him. You gotta wonder how they got into those little statues to begin with. Yeah, I wonder who was able to bottle them back in the past. That's a good question. I don't think that's in the novelization either, I think. It just happened somehow. The humans turned against them, so humans were able to do it somehow.
So we, we covered this in our episode, but it just seemed to me like if they wanted to make this machine thing a really big part of Enchantress's motivation, I think they should have woven machines throughout the whole movie, like made some characters have a character arc that relies on machines or interacts with machines or yeah, definitely something. I feel like they made the machines a thing for Enchantress, but they didn't make it a thing for the movie overall. And that's where, like, BVS is amazing. Like, where BVS, if they had a theme, you could trace the theme to multiple different places. Like, you could tr trace it to the action, the plot, and to multiple characters, all giving a different perspective on the theme. That's where I think, like, the Zack Snyder stuff and Chris Terrio were at a, another level, even above this one. But I should say, too, like, so we're, you know, having some positives, some negatives on this. I do think that Suicide Squad was aimed differently than BVS. I think Suicide Squad wanted to appeal to younger audience, like, in terms of solid teenage demographics. Um, and maybe they wanted to aim at more of the mainstream blockbuster audience, where BVS is a little bit more of a superhero art film, almost, or a literary kind of style. Uh, and BVS definitely not tailored for like young teens or, or preteens. So I, you know, we shouldn't judge them according to the same metrics necessarily. This is another scene that's kind of confusing. Like, if he was walking normally, why was he on the floor in the bathroom? But then now he's passed out. Did he? Was he weak? Yeah. Did uh, Did Incubus give control of the body over back to the guy for a little while and then take back over here, or was it Incubus the whole time? If it was Incubus the whole time, it was a weird way to kind of come in. I know this scene, like, was I, when I first saw it, was creepy. It was like, yeah, whoa, <laughs> the, the, just the way that he's moving and stuff is almost like a horror movie. Yeah, pulling the power. And now I I kind of like it here where we don't fully see Incubus. We just get obstructed views of him or over-the-shoulder views of him. So I thought that's kind of an intriguing way to tease the full character design of Incubus. But now the plot is in motion. Uh, but like like we said in our episode, most movies, especially blockbuster movies, they would have had the plot in motion about 15 minutes earlier than this. And then the music comes the in music. again. <laughs> yep, you're right, yeah. So this is kind of interesting, too, that, like, for no real reason, they all are going to kind of fight against being moved. And they're not going to accomplish anything by it, but I guess it just shows that they're just, like, they're ornery. They're going to just cause grief because that's what they do. feel bad for the new guy there and i guess they're fighting back because they're paranoid is that and that's the purpose of the song they don't know what yeah. they're gonna do to <laughs> <laughs> so this is obviously important here to just make it very clear i think it's nice they show it going in and they show it confirmed that it's in the neck because yeah. that's important for later obviously but I like how they they have uh, Harley and Deadshot keep their attitude and character even while these, this is happening. <laughs> that was a funny line. Yeah. It even makes it through the croc skin. 
Now we've, yeah, this is to me one of the uh, setups that does not pay off. Like when this happened, you're screwed. Right. I totally expected some sort of big thing later with Griggs and the Joker, and it never happened. Nor in the extended cut. That was one of the things where I thought, like, oh, in the extended cut, we'll have the Griggs payoff of, like, why Griggs is screwed. But it's just one of those things where Harley said it and it didn't come of anything. And I heard there, Panda. there was that originally they were going to have a scene where Joker goes in and beats the crap out of the guy because the explosion doesn't kill him. Uh huh. And that would have been cool. Yeah. I just noticed this time that that van was marked Panda, and they earlier had the Panda guy right. as, as part of Joker's crew. It's kind of cool. So here's another iPad on the window. Effective. I like how... I like the contrast of Joker totally despondent in his knife circle to now he has a clear purpose and he's taking control. So, okay, now we kind of see Incubus a little bit better. We can see some of his powers. He can do that kind of stuff. See, I feel like the way they handled this situation, where there was supposed to be like a big reveal later on about what happens, it was not executed well. I think it more yeah, than I anything, agree with you. it was more confusing than anything. It didn't really seem like there was a big reveal. Yeah, I was a little confused by that the first time I saw it, and I still remained a little bit confused, because to me it's already pretty clear, like he just said, she bolted. Right. So we saw them under there with a charge or whatever, and then he says she bolted, so to me there isn't really a question about what happened exactly. here. And then we, then we see where she bolted to, to Incubus. So yeah, it was weird, because later they kind of treat it like as if it was supposed to be like, oh, that's what happened? But it's like, we can already tell what happened. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know what they were going for with that. Now here, this design, I don't know what to call her, but uh, that's it's the design that I don't really like. So now if he could give her some of his power, why couldn't she give him some of her power earlier? Yeah, it seemed like, yeah, she told him to go gather some power from the humans. I guess maybe she needed to figure out her Waller situation still. I don't know. This part is sort maybe of she reminded me of Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah, right there, yeah. With this Enchantress here, the mystical Enchantress, I think that the costume and makeup is okay. I think it's kind of just the performance that goes along with it that didn't quite do it for me. The other thing that's weird is, like she said, I'm going to build a machine that will destroy them all. And to me, that doesn't that's not really what I think of as a machine. Like To me, that's like a whole power force mystical thing. Yeah, I mean, that line could have been replaced... And it would have been fine. It would have yeah, been better, like, actually. Right. I guess there is, like, a machine at the base of it, but, like, when you see all of that happening, it doesn't, to me, seem, like, very mechanical or very machine-like. <laughs> Worst day of my life is kind of <laughs> funny there. <laughs> now it's daytime all of a sudden. So Flag's got his team of soldiers, and now he's got his Suicide Squad, and he is not thrilled about having to do this. But Waller's basically just forcing him to. And that's, I think, 
one of the things that this movie does try to explore is like forcing people to do things or inspiring them or internally motivating them to do it. It's actually the latter that is much more effective. This scene is pretty cool though. <laughs> I especially like this part with Harley. Uh, yeah, I think it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And I think it's also funny that they, like, Harley did not get any reactions to it. Because right. you know that she's, you know, she hams it up and she likes the performative side of things. And the soldiers are just all straight-faced. I, I thought this was cool, too, the way he he appeared in the, yeah. from the bag. Yep. I liked that, like, coming out before he even gets his balance, he's already punching. And he just totally tries to lie about what he was doing. I, I still have no idea what he said there. <laughs> yeah, it's he says I was not, like, yeah, he says he was just minding his own business and a red flash comes and grabs him. And they said, you weren't, you know, you were robbing banks or robbing Diamond Exchange. And he says now, I was not. Now, the backstory for Slipknot was deleted. And I thought that would have made his death more, like, appreciation, uh, appreciated. Yeah, I can see was... your point, but part of me is also just I appreciate the uh, boldness that the filmmakers had to just bring him in and then kill him off. I'm like, well, they just went straight for it. That's what he was there to do, and they just did it. I love that line. He's just hilarious <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, I like uh, Flag's shut up, too. I think he delivered that well. And I like here how he's, like, talking straight at Deadshot. Even though it's, you know, supposed to be to the whole team, he's just totally staring down Deadshot. It's it is interesting that they don't do any uh like training or anything like that with the squad. They just say, Get your stuff, ten minutes we're on a mission. Yeah. And it's cool how they show all the their stuff. Especially yeah, it's Harley's cool nods costume. to comics and stuff. Yeah. But this is one way that it's quite a bit different than the Dirty Dozen, which is kind of a inspirational movie for this, but in the Dirty Dozen there is the training where you have like the leaders trying to figure out and get the respect of the Dirty Dozen. Here it's just straight into the mission and they have to figure each other out on the mission. One thing is I, I thought the pink uh, pony or unicorn uh -huh. was unnecessary. I know some people got laughs out of it, but... Yeah, I think it's good. And on his name card at the very beginning it said, you know, one of his yeah. likes is uh, pink unicorns. Now there's like, there's a clear, you know, camera angle right on the female body parts, but to me it's part of the joke and Harley knew that she was doing it. Like, right. so to me it's her playing everybody. And it seems like her costume is might be slightly inspired by the Arkham uh, video games, the Batman video games. Yeah. There's the mallet. Yeah, uh, Margot Robbie does a good job in this movie, basically, overall. I think, like, her lines, she has really good delivery. I 
I also like the accent she went with where she didn't uh, really overdo the kind of New York, New Jersey accent. She just mm. has enough of it to be Harley. But not so much that it just gets annoying. Here's the voice of God. So we get the Waller God references again. But ironically, she's the devil. <laughs> yep. Which is what, what the Harley called her. HVT1 and get them to safety. So. So Deadshot actually acknowledges the fact that they're bad guys. Yeah. Here I thought they could have made it a little bit clear, more clear because she said like HVT1's the one person you can't kill. And the first time I saw this I thought that that meant like they are unable to kill her or him or them. But really what she meant is you're not allowed to kill HVT1. Uh, so that was just, at least for me, I kind of misinterpreted the first time I saw this. Ah, they said the name of the movie. Ha ha ha. Oh, I thought this intro for Katana was awful. It's a little bit uh, clunky. Like, they almost just shouldn't have had any backstory for her at all. Yeah, they give this, you know, showing her fight skills and how she, so she alludes to her husband right there. She's, so she's maybe not necessarily bad, she's vengeful, but maybe a justified vengeance. But like, this is so shoehorned, and then, and his line about her sword, right here. Yeah. I would recommend not getting killed by <laughs> Yeah. Oh, terrible <laughs> Yeah, it's it's clunky. Like, for me, it's one of these things, and it happens a few times in this movie, where I like Katana, and I'm glad that she's in the movie, but then the way that they got her in was a little clunky, or right. it wasn't handled that well. And that's, you know, that's where it's like, it would be even worse if I hated Katana, or I thought she was a really bad character. That would be even worse. But what would be even better is if she was a good character, and she was integrated in well. But Harley's reaction to her is, is great, though. Yeah, it, it Harley's Harley can pull things together. So here's an important little plot beat there of Deadshot noticing that Harley has something going. Now here comes a helicopter, so we know that something bad's about to happen. See, like for me. Again, I, I don't mind the design of the pretty lights, but it doesn't seem like a machine. It definitely seems like, True. you know, lightning and electricity and magic and stuff. Now, I do like this continued showdown between Deadshot and Flag. They're trying to size each other up. They were doing it at the shooting range. No, They're doing that was it even more here. Good. Yeah. Yeah, so Flag's basically like, you know, I'm on another le another level. I don't trust your kind, that kind of thing. So the gauntlet has been thrown. Deadshot's got his smirk, but uh. But it almost seems weird that he's convinced that he'll cut and run, even though he knows that they'll get killed if they cut and run. So why does yeah, he that's a little bit inconsistent that? coming up here in a second. Yeah. So the helicopter goes down. A pretty good shot of the roll there, but. To me, the reaction shots 
I didn't really feel them because the reaction or the shots of the inside of the helicopter were like from the side. We never really saw anybody's face of like the actual trauma of being on the inside there. And then they're okay with it. So to me, this is kind of a directing thing and editing. I don't think they got as much tension and excitement as they could have out of that helicopter crash. Like the way uh, Viola Davis was acting there, she acted like, wow, that was really dramatic and I'm glad they're okay. I didn't think they were going to be okay. But the way they edited it together, it wasn't really that tension filled. Now, these guys are walking through the streets with no problem. Uh, I got to wonder why Amanda Waller can't just walk out and leave. Man, it's a good I question. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see if, like, as they get closer to the building, if it gets uh, hairier or something. But, yeah, they're pretty nonchalant at this point. I like it that Boomerang is the one kind of talking to Slipping Out here because that's a nod to the uh, classic Ostrander comics, I think it is, where it was Boomerang that <laughs> kind of gets somebody killed. Or I think he gets their hand blown off or something in the comics. But that's right up Boomerang's... Alley to have done that. It's funny how quickly they do it too, though. Like they don't wait for a particularly good moment; they just go for it right away. All right, Slipknot. It's nice knowing you. There's the boomerang coming back. It's pretty cool. And he's got it on his wrist. I forgot that. <laughs> Ouch. I like how when the body falls down there the way they have the camera you can see the squad behind the body so yeah. you can see their reaction to it from a distance so I wonder if there is <laughs> Where Deadshot maybe thinks that Flag just needs to go and he doesn't really realize that if Flag does that they might all blow up. He's just kind of angry at that threat. Like maybe this idea from Deadshot here is just hatched because of Flag disrespecting him a moment earlier. You're my friend too. <laughs> yeah, the friendship motif definitely right. coming through there. Exactly. Although they're, I guess they did have that little interaction when they were getting their stuff out and uh, getting it together back at the camp base. I would have liked it if the enemies weren't so generic looking also. Yeah, this is uh, like, they definitely needed something like this where they needed a lot of bad guys that could come at them and stuff. And the concept of it is cool, like, you know, eyeballs all over them, that kind of thing, but the execution, they just kind of look like sort of black blobs, you know, men with just makeup and prosthetics on or whatever. And I, and I can I appreciate the, you know, that whole, while we're first introduced to them along with the squad... But I almost feel like if they had actually shown Enchantress creating them beforehand, right. it might have worked better. Yeah, and because visually they don't really look like Enchantress or Incubus, they look like a different you know, style and color and shapes and everything, 
And again, the eyes of the adversary, they don't look like machines. So it's not carrying forward that theme of machines will be the ones to kill the humans. Yeah. But I remember I first read about the idea that they were going to have these eyeballs all over them and stuff. And I thought it sounded really cool, but didn't work out perfectly. I don't really think it's that horrible. It's just I think it could have been better. Katana seems to overact in this movie, too. Every time I see her, it's like, <laughs> with her sword, I don't know. Yeah, there I guess that one looks pretty good, but yeah, I do wish that they were a little bit more consistent with like the Enchantress design, the Incubus design, or if they had gone for machines in some way. Where did Boomerang right, so... get that soda from? <laughs> <laughs> got one in his jacket, I guess. They were, uh, David Ayer and uh, Jai Courtney said at one point that they wanted Boomerang's jacket to just be like this uh, never-ending treasure trove oh, of whatever okay. he needs at the moment. But I think they could have actually played that up even more. Definitely, That yeah. his jacket was Absolutely. like that. So here we get the squad in action together for the first time. Um, Harley's going with the pistol. Deadshot's doing his thing. Uh, there's Croc. We get a little bit of his fighting style, which is kind of a brute strength type approach. Wow, pretty good throw. Diablo retreats. So they do a pretty good job here of giving everyone a little bit of screen time and you get a little bit of their individual style. Yeah. Now Harley's gone to the bat. It's a pretty good shot there with that duck. And there's oh, the there's where his uh, <laughs> fly, flies out of his pocket. It's pretty good. Yeah, so that is pretty obvious that they're trying to take Flag away. Right. They're not just trying to kill him. So is that what you were talking about where it's kind of a contradiction, like Deadshot wanted to take him out, but that now Deadshot's protecting Flag? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good stuff with the bat. There's quite a few more of them coming. So this is kind of maybe one of the croc rolls kind of thing. Now this I think is you know pretty good. Instead of Deadshot cutting and running at the first sign of uh, danger, he's stepping forward into it. So I think that's pretty good. And it's again, it's one of those things where I think even younger audience members or audience members who are used to things being pretty straightforward, they can follow that development here that flag had said he'll cut and run and that he steps forward and does the job so i think you know nobody's gonna miss that he's got the eyepiece on but not the mask this time well when you have a high profile actor you can't hide their face <laughs> i think that was a good use of the uh pinky too like right after the tension is is broken and we yeah. get a little bit of humor and then a little bit more humor here. So I think it's good to have the humor after the tension of the fight and not during the fight. <laughs> and 
And now here, this, you know, draws out, like, if, if people didn't notice that Diablo stepped back, we have Boomerang drawing attention to the fact that he did not help in the fight. And he actually, when he waved, you could actually see the face of his, like, true form, I guess. Yeah. I like that thing with the lighter and Boomerang, like, <laughs> how it kind of goes to the side and his head boggles to the side, too. Now, to me, it was pretty obvious it was a person, I don't, or used to be a person. Of course. Yeah. Oh, I just noticed Boomerang has these diamond earrings on. <laughs> That's pretty good. So, Scott Eastwood's flag looked correct, didn't it? I was just about to comment that, yeah. Yeah, I have no idea what that means, but you're right. It seems like it's something. So there was another squad. It's kind of like they could have maybe had this payoff more if they would have shown us that there was another Bravo squad going off and maybe get a few shots of their faces before, like, so that we know that they're out there and they might be in danger. Because basically see. this is the first time I really thought about Bravo squad is right now when they're getting led up to get converted. Weird spin, weird Yeah, kiss. and this is where we actually see, uh, you know, How she's creating made. them. Yeah. This could have came earlier, and then we'd know what the hell was going on. Yeah, so I guess they wanted us to not really know who these things were, if they were, like, demons or something like that. And then when he asks, are they people, then we see how they're people and that they're made. But to me, it just seemed pretty clear that they were people from the beginning. See, and a lot of these scenes seem shoehorned. Or, or poor transition, at the least. Yeah. Right, like this scene could be dropped anywhere that they're walking. You could have dropped in this little scene. Like, it's not directly uh, implied or necessitated by the previous thing that happened. Right. Now, the first time I saw this movie, this is the point where I was just like, oh my god, get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> the Ostrander reference pulled you back in, though, maybe. The uh, No, for me, I, I've enjoyed it. I've seen it four or five times now. I've enjoyed it every time, but I definitely just notice ways in which it's being held back from being great. You know, I, In my personal opinion, it's not a great movie. Um, but I enjoyed it, like... I enjoy the characters enough that I'm always kind of intrigued watching it, even if I see some structural problems with how it's put together, or I don't love Enchantress necessarily. But I mean, the and casting again, I, is I excellent. An, the casting is that? excellent. So you know, the yeah. watching the characters is fun, but yeah, but watching the story unfold is I don't know, very slow and I don't know. I like pretty much all of Boomerang scenes. Yeah, it's it's basically a character thing. Like, I love Waller. I love the Joker. I love Boomerang scenes. I thought Deadshot and Harley were good leads. But yeah, you're right. Just structurally, the the story and the plot, you know, didn't really nail it. See, and then Deadshot's reaction to her. I mean, they have a good dynamic. The characters are cool.
And Harley's, yeah, Harley's just a very good character. Now one thing, so this is good, and she's going to do the, I guess she did her own stunts here in this elevator scene, which is cool. Uh, she's going to do it right here. And the swing, and blowing the hair out is all good. Now I'm not sure how the squad got up there before her. Like there had to have been an express elevator, right? That's the only way you could have got up there faster. Because <laughs> she was riding an elevator that was going up, like, you couldn't do the stairs. Well, some elevators are really slow. <laughs> yeah, she. I guess and hers had that big window, so maybe that one is the slow, scenic view, and there maybe there's a much faster one that they were able to take. So I guess if they are all around them, they are all through this building, and that's why Waller couldn't get away her on her own. Mm. Now the mask is going on, and Harley thinks that's cool. <laughs> I feel like, too, when Waller says they're all around you, like I feel like that's an opportunity for some tension, but I don't think that the tension was really achieved expertly. Then they just drop through, and now we get some more action. Now, this was cool, because I did, when I, I saw this, I did think that Boomerang had just been stabbed. Mm. <laughs> but it's cool to see him sit up, and then... It's pretty funny. That's great. Now, this is a good move here. I like this. Like, she shoots while she's swinging around, and then pulls him back. I, that's, that is some good... And it's gymnastics-related, so I do need yeah, to... Yeah, her acrobatics are definitely coming through. Yeah. Now here again, they're trying to take flags. So, you know, people watching this should get the hint that, okay, they are trying to take flag away for some reason. And now the squad circles up around them. So at this point, they're circling up to protect flag, but it is totally out of self-interest. It's just so that they don't die themselves. But by the end, they will stick up for each other because of actual friendship and bonding. Now, as long as Deadshot had bullets, I figured Deadshot could have handled this situation. Yeah, I mean, after what he did but, outside. Yeah. Maybe he was out. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Uh, I think it would have been good if they would have, like, shown him maybe being out, at least for the moment, and so he went this way instead. But I like the Diablo thing. I think Hernandez um, was a good actor with the Diablo character. So we get a little taste of his powers, but we don't, we still don't know the full extent of his powers till the very end. <laughs> so again, I think it's nice that they sprinkle in the humor right after the kind of action has just ended. They do a little bit of bits during the action, but mostly it's after it, which I think is good. If there's too much humor during the action, I think it takes away from it sometimes. So now we're finally starting to get a good flow 
to the movie. You know, we're following them and things are happening. And then they decide to break it up here with a, a flashback. And it doesn't seem necessary. Yeah. The thing is, I like the flashback a lot. So No, absolutely. <laughs> I, it's a great flashback yeah. and certainly something that, you know, we would want to see in a movie. But not necessarily this movie or at least not in that spot right great joker lines though so again it's kind of what is power he's saying surrender becomes power Waller thinks leverage is power, and I think the movie tries to say that friendship and bonds between people are power. And not surrendering, but keeping yourself is what, where you get your true power. I like the uh, costuming here, and the hair and makeup. There's also a question as to what exactly is the purpose of this scene, like, why did she jump off, and then why does he decide to leave and then come back? So like, my, this is just my personal interpretation of it, I think he was totally playing a game with her, and he was just, you know, having fun and talking her into killing herself, but then when he's walking away, he realizes, like, oh crap, I actually have fallen for her, or I've kind of, like, have this infatuation infatuation with her which he didn't realize I think until after she fell and he was walking away he had been trying to convince himself that this was just a game he was playing with her but now he realizes it's not a game it's serious for him too I love the mixing of the red and the blue and going to the Harley red and blue in her hair and stuff So we've seen Deadshot and the love for his daughter, so there's a little moment to think about the love that they have or don't have as characters. So I will say... When I saw this the first time, I had no idea that this was going to be Waller in here. But I also didn't know... I didn't think it was going to be anything else. I really didn't know what it was. Um, but I was surprised when it was Waller. I'll be honest with you. The first time I watched it, I, w I went with my, my friend and my wife. And the three of us had no idea what their mission was the whole time. So when, when we saw this, we're like, what? <laughs> Yeah, now I think this is great Waller stuff, though, right? Because Waller, like, we've just seen all this violence and all this these horrible monster eyes of the adversary, and Waller is like, ooh, this is amazing, you can raise your own army and whatever. 
Like she just always sees, you know, how can I turn this into a weapon or how can I use it for my own purposes? And then, yeah, this is not only a good Waller scene for that, but it's also about to be a pretty brutal Waller scene. Like, if you hadn't realized yet that Waller was a villain or the villain of this movie, you should realize it after this scene. Yeah, and then this echoes back to when Harley called her the devil again. Yeah. Yeah, now they made it a little too explicit there with, right. like, an I'm the bad guy, like, Waller's the bad guy. But, again, I'd rather have an interesting idea that's too explicit than to not have an idea at all and just have it be, like, mindless action. But for me, in my personal tastes, I like more the Batman v Superman route where it's a little more subtle. Yeah, same here. So this is kind of interesting with the squad, right? Like they were going on this mission and they know that Waller was the one sending them on the mission. Waller had put the team together, but then now they're like, oh wait, Waller is just trying to save her own butt. So it is kind of interesting to get the squad's reaction to that. Yeah, and I mean, it's definitely an interesting twist that they're they're saving the person who's basically making them do this. But the way she yeah. holds that, it's like, yeah. what if she accidentally presses one? Yeah, she's got the thumb right over it. You know how unreliable phones can be. <laughs> but it it makes it just really clear that Waller is still completely depending on her leverage and her threats. Even though she's already seen how it's gotten out of hand with Enchantress, Waller just doesn't get it. She still believes in her leverage. And all the way to the end of the movie, she believes in her leverage as the true way to power and influence. So Harley's kind of realizing, like, wait a minute. <laughs> Something fishy's happening, and Harley knows what it might be. cool that Johnny Frost is actually on the big gun. I like the Joker laugh again. Kind of a different one that time, but it's good. And that, that tuxedo look is cool. The green hair really pops out in that scene. Yeah. But... Professor, would you pick up the pace? I didn't really catch that before. So that was pretty good, like letting Harley know that the bomb's deactivated. So all works out pretty good. Now here, definitely the the acrobats. Cool shot. I like the coverage they did of that. It's from the side, then kind of from underneath, and now here from the front. That's a cool scene. So. Like, see how agitated Waller is that 
Harley just flew in the face of her power. Waller cannot stand for it. Now here I think it's interesting, the squad kind of shows with their body language that they do not want him to kill Harley. At this point, I'm not sure that the squad has bonded that much, really. But they just are well, sort Deadshot, of like... Deadshot, I think, has... Because they've, they've had that tit-at-tit -tit going on throughout the movie. Yeah. But, uh... It's more about the, the principle, I think, for the rest of the squad. Yeah. I think that was cool that they had Harley pop up and the shot was through Deadshot's uh, scope. I thought that was a cool way to do it. You should have just... And that uh, one I thought was a, an effective, like, emotional beat, like, where... They did let it sink in that it looked like she'd been shot, and then she pops up. So I thought that one was one where they did execute it well. Yeah, but in practice, she should have just remained, you know, playing possum like she did with Batman. Hmm. There's the reunion. Now, what pisses me off about this scene is I, w I was reading online what the scene was originally going to be like. And it mm -hmm. fit their characters way better. Hmm. Apparently they get into an argument here and he pushes her off because he's mad at her. Wow. But here they make it seem like he's trying to rescue her. Yeah, so they were about to try to go together and then just because of the explosion they get separated. Here's some more acrobatics right there. Yeah, I guess there was more acrobatics than I gave it credit for at the beginning. Another helicopter goes down. I don't know if they were trying to stay away from, like, domestic abuse, but... Probably. It's a shame, because that's the relationship they have, you know? Yeah. So... Waller's third attempt to kill Harley, she thinks, worked out. That's how vindictive Waller is about it. He's probably thinking, damn, if she was going to die anyway, I, I could have gotten free. <laughs> yeah. There's the 23. There's the, the right. Yeah. I'm not sure why they go low. Yeah, makes no sense. I guess maybe, I don't know, the power, all that stuff was up there, but it still seems like low is more dangerous than going high. Yep, that's third helicopter down. Definitely don't trust helicopters in this movie. I forgot that she actually fights back this much. In my memory, I, was, I had just thought that she, you know, gets shot down and then gets captured, but she actually shot back for a while. Yeah, it's kind of ironic that their mission was to get her out of there, and they get her to the helicopter, and then she still gets captured anyway. 
So Katana's there right with Flag. The squad's not sure what they're gonna do. Killer Croc was just licking himself. <laughs> this is a good scene right here. And well performed. She's, yeah, this is, you can really feel the heartbreak. And for her, she thinks Joker's dead, so for her it's, right. you know. And then she turns back on her. It's kind of an interesting, it has a lot of implications for the Harley character. Like, is the whole Harley character her putting on a facade? And that there we saw the facade broken down for just a moment. Well, what's interesting is that, you know, presumably her neck uh, bomb is still deactivated, but she still chooses to come back to the group. Yeah. I mean, it's also that this scene, more I think about it, it's kind of making me think that Harley might really be in love with the Joker like she fell in love with him as Dr. Quinzel, and that she's doing this whole Harley persona because she thinks that's what the Joker will love in return. And that maybe it is all kind of an act, which is just interesting to think about. Is her whole persona and everything just for the Joker? Or has she actually become that persona, you know, authentically? So they got Waller, but they also got the heart. So that is so, most of it. why didn't Waller just destroy the heart? <laughs> you know? If she still had it. Oh, wait, yeah. Did she have it? That's a good question. I guess Incubus was keeping her alive, but she could have destroyed the heart and just left it only up to Incubus to keep Enchantress alive. It's a good delivery of that line, though. Yeah, I guess Waller maybe still was holding out hope that she would get control back of Enchantress. Oh yeah, because she was talking about the instant army. Yeah. That's right, yeah. But definitely a stupid call on Waller's part. Like, that was the wrong call to... Yeah. Because Incubus was keeping Enchantress alive temporarily, but if he would have killed her heart, then she would have been more vulnerable. Well, that makes it clear that she doesn't care about anyone's life. All these people dying, she didn't bother to end it. Yeah. Now here I thought it was pretty fast. Like, could he read a lot of that in just a few seconds? Or was there some time that lapsed? between the last shot and this shot. Well, he probably read some highlights and realized what he was looking at. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so this is what we were talking about before. Yeah. Like, this is presented as if it's supposed to be, like, a whole new perspective on what went down. Right. When really it's exactly the same thing that we thought went down, right? I mean, this time they show the explosive charge a little bit more clearly, but we kind of knew that anyway, right? Yeah. 
Right, like we knew it was a bad idea anyway, just because we already knew that she bolted, so. And we saw that before. We, yeah, we saw this part. Yeah, it's like we already knew. I be, When I watch this, I'm kind of like, we already knew that. So when he says, like, now, now you know. Yeah. I know that the Deadshot didn't know it before, but it was also supposed to be like the audience was supposed to be kind of realizing Yeah, I mean, the, the they're time. doing the rest of the movie as if we're, you know, part of the squad learning things as we go. But that part, they decided to tell us early. Yeah. Now here it's interesting that Flag's soldiers go one way, the squad goes another way, and so Flag has this decision point. And Katana chooses to go with the squad. Yep. Now here's another one of the scenes that's, to me it's kind of a good scene overall, and it's a scene that is allowed to breathe and have uh, some emotional builds and ebbs and flows. So I always look for those kind of scenes that are going to be the anchor scenes of the movie. This is definitely one of them. It's a good uh, setting here, and they have them, I think, positioned well so that you can get these good shots with certain characters in the background of other characters. Yeah. So dead how many, shots... How many times are going to remind us that? <laughs> yeah. I guess now it's just he's like more jaded about the whole thing now that he knows that Flag was kind of corrupted already and Waller, you know, kind of got Waller's responsible for the whole thing in the first place. So Deadshot's more jaded than even before. You know, this is a perfect example of backstory happening organically. You know? Right. Yeah. It would have been more effective, just like this This scene is more effective with his backstory. Yep. Yeah, I think this is well written, well acted, and then like you said, it's like placed in the exact right spot. And it sets up, obviously, Diablo for the end. Yeah. I like the color scheme here. You know, it's a shame that his character dies, but I guess it's very apropos given that there's Suicide Squad. Mm -hmm. It was almost like a suicide mission that he was going in and choosing to sacrifice himself. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Good point. Yeah, and it's kind of tragic, right? Like, you know, he loses control and he gets really upset, but he's upset because he doesn't want to lose his family, and yet, ironically, then that causes him to lose his family. I think they did a good job, too, of, like, alluding to the tragedy but not showing it directly. Mm kind of makes it even more tragic that it's that we have to kind of imagine how horrific that would have been we just get glimpses of it but not the full full shot of it 
So we talked about the theme of like the power of friendship over the power of leverage and stuff. But another theme is uh, kind of owning your past. Yeah, right here, kind of theme stated. But they need to just like, you know, recognize that they've done bad things in the past, but that doesn't mean that they're a bad person or it doesn't mean that that defines them for the rest of their life. Thank you. <laughs> I like that line. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to bring Croc a little bit into the scene otherwise he was kind of backgrounded for it <laughs> but I think it's you know within the group they all can kind of accept each other they all can kind of uh, understand where they're coming from so I think this like this scene gives you some legitimate bonding not just forced bonding now Flag does end up joining them. And he doesn't try to use that leverage on them here either. He sort right. of tries to bond with them instead. Yep. Which just it proves that that bonding and that friendship is better than the uh, that leverage that Amanda Waller uses. Yeah, and Flag is also just kind of realizing... Like, he loves June, but he also is realizing that because he loves June, that's why he's gotten jerked around by Waller. Yeah, and technically he is in the same boat as them. Yep. Yeah, he really is more part of the squad than he is part of just the soldier crew. But now it's really a choice, which I think is good. Um, so Boomerang just left, but he'll show back up, which somebody on Twitter pointed out that that's what a boomerang does, is it goes and then comes back. <laughs> <laughs> that is, That is cute. I really like that character. Yep. Yeah, I wonder if we'll get him in the, in the Flash movie, if the Flash movie happens. Like, I think it'll be delayed, but it'd be cool if Boomerang's in. But now here, I think it's good to bring the daughter back in, right? Like, this is, you know, where all the emotions are getting bared here in the bar, so we need to have the daughter show up in some way, because that's where Deadshot's heart is. So I thought this was a pretty good way to bring the daughter into the scene. And now Deadshot's totally turned it around where, like, he's going to carry Flag, where before it was like, is he going to stand up or is he going to cut and run? Not only is he not going to cut and run, he's going to actually carry Flag if that's what needs to happen. Yeah, and the fact that they're now working together because uh, of an on an objective that they want to do, it makes them stronger. Yep. Like, they've all shared, you know, their weaknesses, their secrets, their pains... And that allows them to stick up for each other and work together. I mean, it's a it's a good theme, and the theme does play out with the characters and the story. So in that sense, I give it some credit. There's Boomerang back. There he is. <laughs> he has no and idea this what's is... going on, but he came back anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, uh, you know the. Typical, put the music on, have the team walking toward the camera and the cool strut. 
But to me, that was the right moment to have that shot because they just opened themselves up and had that bonding that we talked about. Well, so yeah, that's was, the moment to see them walking like a, together. It was a music video. <laughs> <laughs> this is an interesting use of a boomerang camera. Now, this is for the first time we might actually have, you know, the squad sep uh, splitting up and actually having objectives, and we get to see if they can achieve their achieve their objectives. Because the previous action scenes with the squad, it was all basically just they're walking forward and then they get attacked. This is the first one where it's actually like, oh, right, right. we need to accomplish something. Let's see if we can do it, and there will probably be challenges on the way. But Now, this is obviously a suicide mission, ironically enough, again. And I, but I wonder if they realize that it's a suicide mission. Because as soon as they press that button for that bomb, it's going to blow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think they really think about it that way. Get a shot of each of them on the brink of battle. Here's a little this bit scene, more katana. Uh, they, they need to cut this out, like... Everything to do with the sword, they should have just cut out. <laughs> it doesn't... Like, they're setting something up that never gets actually used. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I like Katana, but you could cut her out of the movie and you could, you'd still have the same movie. Yeah. It's too bad, because I think she's a good character and I like the design Absolutely, of the character yeah. and stuff. Yeah. She gets a tiny bit more in the extended cut. Like, she takes her mask off and stuff, but it's still, she doesn't have anything that is crucial to the plot or anything. I do really like the effect, of the look of the, the damage that uh, Incubus leaves in his wake. Like those spiky, uh, sort of splatter-looking uh, residue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of cool that they're back at the subway. So that, you know, setting, which was pretty uh, memorable from the beginning, is returned, too. So that's kind of good. Again, that doesn't really look like a machine to me. <laughs> just... It looks like Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And and that like you said, that wouldn't have been really that hard of a fix, like to make it if they wanted to do the machine thing, they could have made the machine thing work with a few small yeah. fixes. Or they could have changed it from machine to something else and it could have worked better. <laughs> I don't really like the the dancing moves. And then there. this creepy waving around like Yeah, <laughs> I don't like the creepy dancing uh waving thing, but I do like this the mind game attack that she tries to use here i think it's again because i like the characters and i like the characters dynamics the most mm. i think this was cool that the character dynamics become part of this climax or building up to the climax anyway like all of these scenes got me pretty good 
that are coming up here in a second. He's all like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) They focus on her heart flashing inside her. Oh, yeah. So here, this is definitely kind of interesting that he killed the bat. Which would mean he would still be free with his daughter and having just this reached a good point. This is just creepy seeing this. <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, I, I really like this this moment here. No, it's cool. And the child is interesting, and maybe that's the uh, the onesie connection. Oh, uh. Or a couple onesies, yeah. But yeah, this is uh, interesting, the regular-looking Joker. Well, I forgot how kind of whited out the screen, or the shot was on that one. This is all light, basically. But this one, this one this got me too, like because yeah. I had connected with him in the bar, and now to see this, you know, can just imagine for him how badly he would want to just have his kids and wife back. See, and now this is the thing too about you have to accept your past, right? To be able... <laughs> can't live in the fantasy. So now Diablo's the one that comes out front. He's ready to go. See, so the magic rises. They should have just used magic instead of machines. So ironically, they talked about Superman no longer being around, but it's questionable how effective Superman would have been against them anyway, because he's vulnerable to magic. Yeah. So we're here for the final build-up, which, as expected, you know, they have to make it through Incubus first and then Enchantress second, so that's what you would expect with your primary villain and her second. So here, like, definitely a big moment for Katana, Yeah. but, you, you know, if... If Katana wasn't in the movie, you could have had somebody else save the day there just enough to extend the fight a little bit. Good kick. So, I thought that was a little unnecessary. He said, let me show you what I really am. I feel like he could have just went right into his true form. Yeah, it's, it is interesting that he had that line, but it's not until now that he goes, yeah. Yeah, you're right. 
It's a pretty cool design for Diablo, but I wish I would have gotten a little bit wider shot on it so I could have taken it in fully a little bit better. But uh, it looks good. There we go. That's a pretty good shot of it. They probably could have had even more of the squad members have something to do. Because, like, right now they gave Croc something to do underneath. Um, see, he's got to see the one-second timer. He's got to know it's a suicide mission. Yeah. They have Diablo something to do here, obviously, but they could have had a third thing that needed to happen, and then you could have had a couple of the other squad members doing that third thing. So here, he knows what he's doing. He knows he's in the blast yeah. zone, and he's, he just says, go ahead, do it. So this is Diablo's redemption night, sacrificing himself to save his so-called new family. You think I definitely died? Yep. I would think so. That is kind of sad for her. That's her brother. It's her only connection, really, in the whole world. Yeah, I think Diablo was pretty well received, though, so if they have some way of bringing him back into a Suicide Squad 2, which they're, you know... There's pretty clear rumors that Warner Brothers is interested in a Suicide Squad 2. I wonder if they could get creative and get Diablo back somehow. And it's pretty crazy the amount of damage that she actually does as they show clips around the world. Yeah, that's kind of a cool shot there. I mean, it doesn't even really capture how much damage she, you know, they show it on a screen, but she's clearly doing tons of damage across the planet. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And we don't really feel the scope of the, the full damage, because we're mostly in here pretty locally. I always feel those. like this scene is both too long and poorly shot because it's just a big blur. It's pretty smoky, yeah, now that I look at it. I didn't I felt okay about it when I watched it in theaters, but here it does it was pretty smoky there. And it's not even done, there's more. <laughs> yeah. So here we, we see some big strokes of damage happening, but we don't really get a personal feel for that damage. You it's know, all just from a bird's eye view. And, I don't know. It's like looking around, where is she? It just seems a little, a little too long. Yeah, it's this is like one of the things where it's like, I don't really even want to criticize David Ayer for this. I just want to give more credit to Zack Snyder because Zack Snyder, when he does scenes like these, they're so good. It's uh, hard to 
judge other people. Like, it it almost looks to. like they got lazy and didn't want to choreograph, so they just said, "Go at it," and we'll just blur it. <laughs> yeah, like they have certain moments that are kind of choreographed, but a lot of it is smoky and close up, where you're not really seeing great action. They're trying to give every character a chance to be involved a little bit, so I can understand that. Now, some people have said, like, why is Enchantress even doing this? Because later she's just going to say enough and stop. But I think she's doing it just out of anger and frustration and grief of her brother. Like, she basically wants to just get in there and fight them. And then once she's got out some of her anger, she says enough. Yeah. Now, she could be totally lying here, like, uh, like Enchantress that might not have been that impressed by him, but she's just doing this to play him. She had me fooled the first time I watched. <laughs> I'm like, what is she getting at? Yeah, I think it's so well performed by Margot Robbie that I think it works. I just like how she still has her accent and kind of attitude even when she's going up to talk to a witch. Yeah. Okay, I like that line there. Now that line was probably not necessary. Like, I think Flag and Deadshot just could have looked at each other and gone into action. I don't think he needed to say right, right. that she's vulnerable. Like, I think it was pretty obvious that she's vulnerable without her heart. But again, it might be the going for the younger audience or just going for the audience that oh. is not as perceptive and they need it spelled don't out. Don't get me started with this whole slow motion crap. Like, this is so unnecessary. Maybe it's unnecessary, but it actually didn't bother me or doesn't bother me that much. Oh my god, this is just taking forever. And then they show her da his daughter... I don't know. Yeah, for me it's all right. It's, I mean, it's like, I, I agree, preference. it's maybe not necessary, but for me it's okay. So this is Enchantress's final attempt to distract him or to cloud his mind. It was weird to have that shot from the side because that's not from Deadshot's perspective. Because really the way I interpret it is this is just Enchantress trying to project something into Deadshot's right. mind. Right, so it should be in his mind so the other people wouldn't see her. Right, look, yeah, so it was this weird. Part. This part is just like unnecessary. It's just too long. Like, alright, we get it. <laughs> You're gonna shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> right, we, we know that he's gonna hit the shot. So it's... It, yeah, it's not about the tension. I think it's just about kind of enjoying the moment. 
letting the music sing out and stuff. But we knew, yeah, we definitely knew all along that he was going to hit the shot. So we had Harley going up to cut out the heart. We had Deadshot taking the shot and overcoming. And then... <laughs> no two hugs, not a hugger. Yeah, yeah that was good. Um, oh. And now we're going to have uh, Flag, the other kind of main character, going to have his resolution. So this connects back to uh, the scene where June said, if it comes down to it, you have to kill her. Stop Enchantress, even if it kills me. So this what is it, the payoff for that setup. What is she covered setup. in? Was she in mud? I think it's maybe kind of that same stuff that was in the subway. And then where did she learn the lingo, you don't have the bulls? Is he, she speaking through June's language? In Moon's language. Oh yeah, oh uh, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Probably. It sounded really weird coming out of her enchantress's voice. Yeah. One thing I just thought of, where we were saying with Katana that she could get cut out of the movie and you could still have the movie. Right. It it might have been largely Katana that prevented this movie from showing in China. Because Katana has the Japanese total flag right on her face. Mm. And China has all the tension with Japan. and It's like a cultural kind of war. Right. And so I wonder if this movie actually could have made like 70, 80, 90 million dollars more by cutting out Katana. If In which case, I would have been like, yeah, you can go ahead and cut her out. Or just save her <laughs> for the extended cut or something. Even though I like the character. But uh, if that could have gotten them China, that would have been a lot of money. They would have had, like, just about Batman v Superman numbers for the box office. Oh, this is the... That's a good line from Deadshot, but I think this is good, too, like, where you, you, you oh, think you're, you're done, and then you're not quite done. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like basically all of Boomerang's lines and scenes. <laughs> Including that. Yeah, it's good. What if you just I think it makes sense. There? I don't know. So I'm in math education, if people don't know. So this was kind of cool to actually have a DC movie where they're doing math problems. And this is... I think this is a nice denouement with uh, them connecting over this and now she's accepting of his experiences and his job so to speak yeah and I mean she already told him early on she was okay that 
Yeah, but now they can be like okay with it together, and he's open to it right, as right. well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Courage of the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I like this line coming up. <laughs> that was good. <clears throat> so here's where they're trying to uh, leave some good moods. <laughs> for the audience as we're closing down so the music helps with that that's a nice little shot there of Harley it's a little bit of a <laughs> little bit of a possibly racial stereotype there but boomerang always good Yeah, so this is the, they let you exit with all the characters again. And they're, you know, ironically, they're in their same situation of still being in Bel Rev. But now they've come to terms with themselves. They've kind of gained some acceptance and gained some new friends. So just by having that difference, it's it feels different ironically, in jail. Ironically, all those scenes were in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> And so then this is a little bit final excitement of what's going on. There's another 23 there, C23, cutting it open. And then this actually says Joker right on it. He, he got his own suit. So what did he need Griggs for? <laughs> you could have done this all along. <laughs> <laughs> So it does have a little bit of a good feeling there at the end with the characters, which, like we've said, was the strongest part of the movie was just the characters themselves. How's she gonna go home if she still has the bomb inside her? Yeah, I wonder if it's is it permanently deactivated? I don't know. Well, they could have just put another one in there. Yeah. Or maybe they'll just put him in before a mission or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, like th this stuff is the best part of the movie. The graphics. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, ending credits here. Like stylistically, they did a really good job with this movie. Yeah, and this uh, I like this song. Uh, Heathens up for Grammy, I think, helped push the soundtrack to be number one for several weeks, I believe. So, but yeah, I think good cast, like, was there, well, we talked about Cara Delevingne, but other than Cara Delevingne, did you think there was anybody else that was kind of miscast or that didn't fit the role that well? Um, no, not really. Yeah, I feel like all of them were well cast except for Cara Delevingne right there. That's the one that 
hate to say it, but just did not quite work for me. I mean, I did feel like Katana's acting was a little weak, but that was mostly in part to the the script. Right, yeah. Are you uh, excited for having some more movies that kind of spin off? So they there's Gotham City Sirens that's being fast-tracked with Harley Quinn and David Ayer directing. And then there's they're trying to develop a Suicide Squad 2. Like, are you excited for those movies at all, or has this one kind of turned you off to even the possibility of those ones? Um, I mean, I'll definitely see, you know, any DC movie, because I love the DC universe. As far as being excited, you know, I'm sort of just precautious about it. Yeah. I think for me, the, the characters being really good and the setting and style being good is more important for the next movies, because the next movies will have a different plot. So. Right. And we've already established the characters. Hopefully, any yeah. new characters won't have the same... Sort of backstorytelling. Yep. Now, I don't think that movies need these end credit things, um, but this one I thought was a pretty smart one uh, because it ties a little bit of a knot between Suicide Squad and then Justice League coming up. And it's not just, uh, ooh, Justice League is coming. It's actually, you know, this important moment of Waller trying to control and form her team compared to Bruce trying to form and and run a, a Justice League team. Right, and Bruce already had some information based on Lex's files. Yep. But now this is going to give him what he needs to actually find them. Yeah, and he also it gives him information about how much the government knows. Right. So, like, even if he gets some of that and he already knew it, he now knows what the government has access to. So it's, you know, it makes sense for Bruce to be doing this. Now, I wonder if that line uh, uh, is an indication that there might be a, a JLA versus Suicide Squad planned. I mean, yeah. I, I remember reading something that's saying, no, it was, that's not supposed to hint at that, but it's kind of hard not to think that that's what it's hinting at. Right. And this month, the uh, DC Comics are having the Justice League versus Suicide Squad event that's going to be going like December and January. Right. So that'll be interesting to see. And of course, like Waller and, and uh, Bruce Wayne have a history of having showdowns with each other. So even if it's not a full Justice League versus Suicide Squad thing, you could definitely have tension where, like, Bruce Wayne shows up in Suicide Squad 2. Yeah. But anyway, I think let's go ahead and wrap it down. It's been a late night, a uh, long movie. Some additional thoughts, some, you know, live reactions to Suicide Squad. For me, I like the movie. I just... Like, I clearly can't call it a great movie. I can't say I love the movie, but I like the movie um, just fine, and I enjoy watching it. And there's, if I choose to focus on the positive things, I can get a lot out of it. And I do think it has some themes that are well constructed, but I think it just has some story plot problems. And like I said about Enchantress, so for me, it's just a, it's a movie that I like, but it's not nearly like a BVS that where BVS I just adore that movie and get so much out of it each time I watch it. So. That's kind of where I stand on it. I think it's a good addition to the world. Definitely has some flaws to it. As for me, I, I'm usually able to overlook problems with movies. Like, I could see the potential behind Superman 4 Quest for Peace. <laughs> Even though everybody thinks it's, like, one of the worst movies ever made. Uh-huh. People who have seen it, um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I could see the potential there. I could see what they were trying to do. And I'm, 
similarly with this, I could see what they were trying to do, and I could appreciate that. You know, I, I've definitely gone from hating it and never wanting to see it again to sort of feeling like it's a mediocre movie now. Mm-hmm. Will I ever love the movie? I doubt it, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it like half a dozen times now, and I mean, it has slowly gotten better for me. Yeah. I think, if anything, it's definitely a good setup for future movies. Right. And hopefully... You know, it won't suffer from all that backstory and yeah. Know, and like I messiness. said, the the characters being good—that's the thing that carries forward into the future movies. The story's right. going to be different. The plot's going to be different. You know, the directing might be different. So the characters, I think, were really good. I mean, honestly, I think they were really good. Um, it's just, yeah, there's definitely some clunky things. Yeah, the and, casting was great. Yep. So yeah, and for me, it's you know a welcome addition to it. I I'm also glad that the uh, DC film universe, Justice League universe, is allowing some variability to it. Like they're saying, okay, Suicide Squad, you can go for a little bit more humor, you can skew for a little bit of a younger audience or a more mainstream audience that likes a little bit more surface level action where everything's pretty explicit and pretty obvious. Right. Um, but for me, I'm okay with that because we're going to have a rich universe with a lot of different movies and different directors, and I'm okay having some variability in the style. Yeah, I mean, by no means should this movie have done what Batman v Superman did, you know. Yeah. It's a totally different movie. Yep. Uh, so I'm I'm cool with, you know, the approach that they took, just the execution I felt was Yeah. Great. Looking ahead to 2017, I suspect that out of the first 5 movies in the universe with Wonder Woman and Justice League next year, I suspect that this will be the weakest of the 5 because I've got high hopes for Wonder Woman. The trailers have been good, the way that the yeah. filmmakers talk about it is really up my alley. And then Justice League has Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio, who I have a lot of faith in. Even if they course correct a little bit or try to make things a little bit more audience friendly, I still think it's Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio, so I still think that one will be really good. So if this is the worst one out of the first five movies, I think that's pretty good. And financially, it was very successful, even with its flaws. Yeah. Hopefully. All right, cool. Well, Alessandro, thanks so much for taking the time uh, going through this with me. We will be back with some regular episodes. We're going to have another BVS episode coming up this month, and then we're going to give you a little special treat about Man of Steel before the year ends. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Man of Steel Answers and Suicide Squadcast for the inspiration. And thanks all to the loyal listeners. We really love interacting with you and getting the feedback from you. So thanks for listening, and have a good night. Yep, thanks, everyone. Have a good night.